Thank you, John. I really enjoyed uh, worship so far. Uh, I am up here because I am very short. And so, um, <clears throat> so uh, today we are commemorating, celebrating, recognizing the sanctity of human life. But where did this come from? Why do we do this? Um, President Ronald Reagan uh, issued a proclamation on January 13th of 1984. I won't say how old I was then. Uh, designating Sunday, January 22nd, 1984, as National Sanctity of Life, of Human Life Day, noting that it was the 11th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, in which the Supreme Court, you know, the same Supreme Court that said African Americans were only 75% human, so they always get it right. That was a lot of tongue-in-cheek, by the way. Um, the Supreme Court issued a ruling uh, that guaranteed women access to abortion. So today we're going to talk about the Imago Dei, the image of God that is imprinted on all humans. Not a couple, not a few, but every one of us. We think back to we think back to Moses, right? And and Pharaoh who who killed so many children. We think about the children of Israel who sacrificed their own children to Baal. We think about King Herod, who in trying to murder Christ, killed who knows how many children. So before, before we really get into this, because this is not going to be a happy, clappy sermon. You, you need to know that we are not here today to condemn those who have had or coerced women, because dudes don't get off clean. There are plenty of women who are coerced into doing that. We're not here to say you're condemned. TCC is here to love those people. It's, it's the kindness of God, Paul says, that draws us near. Not people with signs yelling at you saying you're going to hell. So we want to love them. Yes, hell is a real, <laughs> that's a real thing. But so many women still carry this baggage with them and they can't get past it. Women in the church. And so we, we're not here to proclaim condemnation. We're here to proclaim the forgiveness of Christ Almighty. Can I get Amen. Um, you know, you think about a girl who um, has been raped or a woman mixed up in um, 
human trafficking. You know, um, the church needs to come along those women, right? It really doesn't matter who, but particularly those, and, and, and say, hey, I'll take that child. We, the church, need to be at the forefront of this battle. There's a little girl running around here today that's a testimony to people saying, don't murder your child. Please give us that baby. And she did. So, if you were in a house fire, let me ask you this. If you were in a house fire, and, and you're married, you have a family, okay? I know a lot of you don't, but uh, there's Pookie the cat, and then there's your infant child. What are you going to say first? Sounds like a really silly question, right? The cat? No, I'm kidding. Uh, the dog? The, the, no, your child. You're going straight for that infant's room. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You could care less what the cat or dog does. Hey, maybe they'll follow me out the door, but I'm going for my baby. But in today's world, that doesn't seem as... The, the lines are getting grayed because of the elevation of human rights activists. They're elevating the life of animals to the lives of humans. I mean, we hear silly stuff like, my brother the wolf... Anybody hunting here? Um, if, if a pack of wolves finds you alone in the woods, uh, they're not going to say, hey, what up, bro? How you been? How are the kids? <laughs> they're going to rip you limb from limb. <laughs> if we're in a safari and you fall off the back of a Land Rover, you're not going to go, oh, look at that lion. He's got such a pretty mate. I'm going to go comb it. No, you're going to be begging us to pull you back on the truck. Because apex predators don't play reindeer games. They eat reindeer. <laughs> right? So we see celebrities crying over lions that are killed or gorillas that are killed after killing a human or whatever. And I, I, I can't get my brain around that. Like, there's no human life worth the life of an animal. Shouldn't this be basic? Like, we, we see, we hear the reasoning. We, we hear the logic, and it's all flawed. Like, bro, you're asking all the even, you're, you're not even asking the right questions. And yet, the same culture would say that if you run a stop sign or something and you hit a lady and she's pregnant it's a double homicide but if she'd have made it a block down the street she could have murdered her own child I, I, don't, I don't understand but if we reject the God of creation, like in Romans 1, and we worship the created versus the creator, 
He will give us over to a depraved mind, a darkened understanding. The, the reason all the examples I just said sound like I see it on all your faces, you're like, yeah, that's crazy. The reason that sounds crazy is because you have been given the mind of Christ as a believer. And so you see the Imago Dei in people, not Labrador retrievers, as cool as they are. Um, I mean, look, many of us, like, you know, we all grew up in Monroe, West Monroe, or at least we're here now. So we, we see the division, right? We probably hear, you know, acts in our head uh, in the voice of Phil Robertson. Arise, Peter, kill and eat, son. You know, we hear that in our head. So we know that when somebody says, hey, let's go eat, eat duck wraps, that's, we probably should go, especially if they're buying. Um, so we are the image of the triune God of the universe. So let's look at Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. and In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Um, and so we see here that that we are. Uh, the pinnacle of his creation. We were created last. Um, And so we are to rule over his creation and rule well, not wastefully, not arrogantly, not this is all about me, but to rule in a way that glorifies God. God takes this uh, very seriously. So let's look at Genesis 9, 5, and 6. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his uh, blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So God gives clear warnings. Don't murder There are other verses in the Old Testament that that clearly define self-defense. But God is very clear. He gives us warnings. A lot of people don't really care about those warnings. Because they, A, they don't believe in God. B, they could care less about our little book we got. And all we have to do is look at history, even the present, and we see that this is shoved in our face over and over on repeat. Psalm 115 tells us that you become like that which you worship. So, what do we worship? Do we worship a a God that's loving and kind and, and patient and giving and generous? Or do we worship a God that's all about himself to a point that he's like a Pharaoh or a king or a Caesar? That he wants 
so much power, he's willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to get it. Brute force. You're going to do this. Is that the type of God that we worship? Is it a God of convenience? In the 20th century, 100 million people were murdered by the communists and the Nazis. And by the way, there's no difference between a communist and a Nazi. Look it up. (laughs) 100 million people. Yay, big government. They were sacrifices to an almighty Caesar. So if we're worshiping a government like it's a God, we may one day find out that this government God, this Caesar, wants sacrifices. And it may be you, and it may be your children. We see this over and over. Like it sounds crazy, but all you have to do is go back about 60 years. 30 years, 40 years. And you see it. It's there. And you can't believe it. Some would want the government to take over childbearing. It's true. Margaret Sanger uh, opened her first birth control clinic in 1916. It later became named Planned Parenthood. Now, we hear a lot of great things, quote unquote, that they do for women in the media. But let's look a little closer. What was was Margaret Sanger about? Well, Margaret Sanger was into eugenics, and that is creating a master race. So when you're an evolutionist, you see flaws and things, and you need to get rid of those flaws. Survival of the fittest. So um, I'm going to read you just a few quotes that I know are verified. There are quotes out there that are not verifiable. So have a barf bag. Our goal, and by the way, as I read these, I want you to think, has any of these attitudes at any level entered our consciousness, like the air we breathe, even in the church? Even in the church. Our objective is unlimited sexual gratification without the burden of unwanted children. At whatever cost, she, the mother, must emerge from her ignorance and assume her responsibility. Um, I'm going to explain this one first. She had written a letter to someone she was uh, planning with. Um, she, um, well, I'll, I'll read it, then I'll explain it. We should hire three or four colored ministers, preferably with social, a social service backgrounds, and with imag- uh, and with engaging personalities. The most successful educational approach to the Negro is through the religious appeal. We don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. 
That made me dry heave a little bit. And the minister is the man who can straighten out the idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. Now you have to understand that she was a racist. I think you've got the gist of that, right? She wanted a superman race. And so she believed birth control and one day abortion would give us all that. Wonderful, wonderful woman. So what she did was, uh, Margaret Sanger, now check this out. She praised the Nazis. She actually uh, gave a glowing book review to one of Hitler's top henchmen that was responsible for coming up for ways to exterminate the Jews. So, she employed what was called the robe method, R-O-B-E. And what that means is you go after people in robes, lawyers, politicians, judges, captains of industry, to support this great cause. And so it got crammed down our throats, basically. Instead of changing hearts and minds, that's what happened. They went after the top dogs. They didn't care about you, remember? You're a bunch of imbeciles. You, you don't matter. We have to control you. That's eugenics. That's, that's, the, that's the end game. And so when we think about getting people in government places like that, right, I heard, I heard Doug Wilson say this. Some of you have heard me say this before. But the reason we believe in limited government is because only God is unlimited. And if Caesar is unlimited, then Caesar is God. And folks, Caesar is not God. So Margaret Sanger uh, kept on with her, sec th her, her appeal through sex. That was her words, not mine. But she pushed on until her death at age 87 in 1966. And then just a few years later in 1973, her dream was realized. The Supreme Court decided to make abortion legal. So since that, here in America, America, we have murdered approximately 55 million babies. Planned Parenthood murders around 300,000 a year. And then, of course, we can remember they also sell body parts of aborted babies. And I was really, you know, you watch some of the clips of that, and, and you're, you know, you and I, we, we see those people's faces, and they acted like they were cheated, like you just ripped them off playing a poker hand. 
There was no shame. They were angry that you put this out. Like, that's the kind of mind I'm talking about from Romans 1. It's just severed, man. It's gone. The World Health Organization, okay, says that approximately 125 125,000, excuse me, <laughs> not 125, but 125,000 abortions happen worldwide every day. So that's 40 to 50 million a year worldwide. So in 2015, the population of Washtenaw Parish, this is the latest I could find, was 156,761. So in one day, you've almost eliminated Washita Parish. Like probably all of us wouldn't exist. I mean, you drive around Washtenaw Parish and you think, okay, it's not that big of a parish. There's 150,000 people that live here and you're left with about, about 25,000 in one day. That's a lot of bodies. In America, there are approximately 3,000 abortions a day. Uh, so one in four pregnancies end in abortion. So check this out. Iceland aborts 100% of Down syndrome babies. 100%. You have no choice. It's going to happen. They brag about ending Down syndrome. You're not ridding the world of Down syndrome. To me, that sounds very Hitler-esque or Stalin-esque. Pick your murderous dictator. But it, it sounds to me like you're creating some superhuman race by murdering thousands of little babies and their mamas. That doesn't sound like an enlightened society to me. It sounds barbaric. And it's, it's, you just don't want the burden of these little, I mean, have you ever been around a Down syndrome kid? They're, they're the sweetest thing on the planet. And so, instead of taking care of these kids, we don't want the burden on our utopian healthcare system. It'd be easier and cheaper if we just got rid of them. I know this is heavy. And it's going to get heavier. And I'm... In a late-term abortion, a baby is cut up inside its mother and let to bleed out and then delivered peace Peace. You got a category for that? This is eight weeks. This is an eight week little baby. And most abortions happen around or after this. Cranial implosion 
being vacuumed out of their mamas like they're just some dirty piece of carpet. Look, we live, we live in a, a world of images. And none of us want to look at those images. But even if you can't go and look at these images, we need to face these images in our minds and understand that they're little, little babies. This is happening to children. How are children in America? Uh, look, so we got all these 3D images now. We didn't have that when we first started um, having children. Uh, back when we started having children. No, I'm kidding. Um, we, uh, but we did have ultrasounds back then. Claire's not that old. Uh, so Kelly and I have been married about almost three years. And she tells me she's pregnant. Um, she asked me how accurate pregnancy tests were, and I said they're pretty accurate. She said, well, I bought this at the dollar store, and I said, you need to go to Walmart and buy a good one. <laughs> Y'all, I was freaking out. Um, I wanted kids at some point. Um, I didn't let her know it, but I was, you know, I'm sitting there smiling. This is great. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm totally like heart rate all the time. Um, but when we went to the doctor, and we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. We didn't find out. We didn't cheat like some of you people. Uh, <laughs> but when I saw Claire sucking her little thumb, I wanted to hold that kid so bad. Uh, God used that to plant my feet to be in wonder of his amazing power. And I was ready. I couldn't have been more ready. And when I saw Claire's face for the first time, finally understood a little bit of what agape meant. I couldn't believe that the Lord had given me this much love. Like, where did this come from? And with every kid God has given us, he's provided the love. It's just there, and it just blows you away. I didn't know it was available. So he's given us these tools and actually 3D imaging apart from religious conviction is actually changing the hearts and minds of young people who are seeing these images and go, wait a minute. I thought you said this was a massive blob of tissue. That sure looks like a baby to me. Why are we doing this again? And that's apart from a religious conviction. 
We can watch video of our children sucking their thumb and pushing against their mama's bellies. And it's amazing. But we can also watch as a doctor injects a solution that will kill it. So, if we if we could hear the screams of the innocent babies that God hears just for like five minutes, it would drive us to madness. But I think sometimes here in America we've become so calloused and our comfort and whatever, all the things that we have. I mean, we can talk about abortion and eat dinner. That's how callous we can be. And I'm not, this is not a voice of condemnation. Please hear that. It's a voice of what are we doing? As the church, as the church, we should be at the forefront of celebrating, protecting life. Psalm 127, uh, John read it for us. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. So, TCC, let's prove to the world that we love children. Have babies. <laughs> Adopt babies. Foster babies. They are not a weight around your neck. They are your crowns. You are your parents' crown. There is no crowning achievement I could ever do. There's no song I could write. There's no amount of money I could make. But when I hear Claire and I hear Kate articulate the gospel, when I hear them talk about what God is doing in their hearts and in their minds, what the Lord's teaching them in Scripture... There's, there's no greater anything. It's a period. To, to see a group of people raise sons and daughters who love and trust Christ, please tell me what better thing you could do. I can't think of anything. In the early church in Rome, there was a Caesar. I could not find this dude's name. But he, he really wanted paganism. He was trying to crank it back up. But he couldn't. He's trying to figure out why. What's going on? Well, turns out that the early church was taking care of the poor. So they were feeding people. They were giving them money. And you know what else? They didn't have abortion back then. They didn't have birth control. 
So if you had a baby you didn't want, you just let it out in the street. So thousands of babies would die from exposure. So the early church was taking these unwanted children and raising them as their own. So the Caesar sends this guy out to see, hey, we'll go find out what's going on. So he comes back, he's like, dude, they don't, the, these Christians are taking care of everybody. They're taking all these babies and raising them. They're, they're, they're feeding the poor. They don't, that's what we should be about. So uh, if every church in Louisiana had one, not church, a church, not every church member. Okay, I want to make that clear. But if every church in Louisiana took one foster child, there would be no foster system. If, I'm sorry, if we could adopt one foster child, there would be no foster system until the next crop comes along. <laughs> right, because of the sinfulness. Man, there's gonna, always going to be unwanted babies. But if every church could adopt one, there would be no foster children. I'm sorry, my mouth is very dry. So do we do we have that kind of courage? You know, I mean, do we have that kind of heart? Um, our church does a plan. Uh, uh, you know, we our church plans. I'll get it out in a second on supporting adoption and fostering. Um, we we want to be behind that, and so. I look forward to that to that day when we're when we're really all in and can really do it and do it well. Um, so, if we let's look at uh, let's look at Psalm one thirty nine. For you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when, it, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. So you think about that, and you think back to Iceland for just a second. God is the author of life. It does start at conception. He just said it right there. Separate your soul from your body and see how long your body stands up. It's not going to happen. So what Iceland is doing is instead of giving tax breaks, pouring, you know, for, for companies doing research for Down syndrome to one day re actually get rid of Down syndrome. Showing the world, hey, this is how Iceland takes care of its own. Instead of doing that and loving those little babies, they're totally disregarding this verse and saying they're out of here. We don't need this problem. The baby uh, has a different DNA than the mother. 
And at 20 weeks, it can react physically out, uh, to outside stimuli, such as sound, light, and touch. And yes, pain. Proverbs uh, 6.16. There are six, thing that, six things that the Lord hates and seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Um, I'm going to read part of Ezekiel 16, uh, 20 and 22. It's, uh, it's kind of a rough verse. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to read part of uh, 20. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and devoured them up as an offering to them? So you can read the rest of those verses, Ezekiel 16 and 20 and 22. But I want to highlight that the Lord doesn't say, did you slaughter your children? That's not what he said. He said that you slaughtered my children. My kids really aren't mine. They are a gift from God. And as Matt Chandler says... Kelly and I are doing everything we can to put as much kindling around the base so that the Holy Spirit can come and light that fire. Because that's all we can do. Um, God's going to hold every nation accountable for the shedding of innocent blood. I mean, it's it's... Unless that nation repents, he's going to hold the nation accountable. It doesn't matter worldwide, whatever, whatever it is. We, if we're worshiping the created, not the creator, this is how it goes. I mean, we see it all through history. Um, And sadly, you know, there's there's this a little bit of an attitude in the church. Um, we've experienced it. I know some of you with larger families have. Um, at some point, someone will walk up and say, uh, "Man, y'all got a lot of kids. Y'all know how that happens." I know one very prim and proper Southern belle that will look has actually looked at a guy and said, "Yeah." We know exactly how that happens. <laughs> and of course, then he's all embarrassed, you know. You brought it up, pal. But we have this attitude that large families are somehow, you're a little bit off or crazy. I mean, look, some people can't have children, and they long to have children, right? And so we want to love them and, and help them adopt or foster, whatever that looks like. But when we in the church have an attitude where we almost hate children, Well, wait, wait, you had, oh, y'all were trying to get the boy, okay. No, the Lord gave us five kids. We actually have six. We lost one. So we're going to meet them in, in eternity. And I can't wait for that. I mean, I don't want to die, but. Uh, <laughs> but do we have this attitude in the church? I don't think we do at, at TCC. I, I, I think apparently we're taking the be fruitful and multiply pretty serious. 
<laughs> I am so excited, y'all. I am so excited for the babies that the Lord has given us and giving us. It's so great. I mean, we're going to have twins. And the great part is I'm not going to have to get up in the middle of the night with them. But what a blessing. What a blessing to see little girls and little boys coming into a church that loves children, that wants to see them experience Christ in a real way, that wants them to understand not just that Christ saves you from your sins, he saves you to the Father. What a great thing. We should revel in this and celebrate this. And I think we do. I'm not saying that we don't. Look, um, if, if you know someone that has had an abortion or coerced a woman to have an abortion, you need to let them know that the blood shed, that the blood of the child that was shed is not stronger than the blood of Christ that was shed for you. That Christ can take away not just the sin, but the guilt. Because the enemy is going to use that in their life for the rest of their life to beat them down. We've, we've heard and read examples of it over and over. And that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit calls us back. Come, come, come back. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He didn't say most of it. He didn't say a good chunk. He said, all. Oh. That's a great verse. He is faithful and just to forgive all of it. The sanctity of human life soaks into every area of our life, i.e., human trafficking, helping the poor, loving our neighbor, and just how we treat and think of each other. That one kind of stung a little bit, didn't it? Think on the Good Samaritan and how and how Jews hated the Samaritans. Like, this is racism. We don't even like we don't even have a category. Like they wanted them all dead. The Jews wanted all the Samaritans gone. So to um, so when we say things like Man, Iran, maybe we should just nuke them. Isn't that the same attitude? I mean, how wicked is that to want an entire nation obliterized? Women should, I mean. So what, so what do we do about all this? Like, this has been a heavy sermon. I know, I see it on your faces. I was not looking. I'm like, I told Kendrick and Jared, I'm like, quit throwing me all the softballs, guys. Like, could, you know, don't give me word or prayer. Give me abortion, right? 
But what do we do with all this? Well, we can do things like um, like Bodie Bauckham and people we know. If, if we know or hear of someone that's, that's thinking about murdering a child because they don't want it or who knows what the situation is. Maybe you can't take that child, but get on the phone. They make these things called iPhones. They're great. You can call people. You can text them. You can email them. Get the word out. Get the word out. Help this woman find someone who wants a baby. Help help them. We can uh, we can give to organizations like 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 life choices. I can't talk. Um, life choices does a great work here locally in this area. Um, we can uh, we can have conversations with with people who don't think anything's wrong with abortion. Um, and by the way, if someone, you can kind of really throw them a curveball. I've done this once or twice. Um, imagine that, right? Um, when people are kind of like, well, why would, you know, I mean, it's a woman's right. I mean, why would you, uh, you know, and I've looked at them and said, so why are you a racist? And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I start going through why Planned Parenthood and all that stuff. It's always in urban centers where they can get rid of the people they don't think should be there. It's amazing. Y'all, it's amazing. But we can have honest conversations with people and point them to the life giver of life. We don't we also want to pray. Like, we need to pray. And we're going to do that here in just a sec. But we need to pray. We don't need to pray that by some miracle, uh, the president and Congress or the Supreme Court tomorrow issues an edict. We're done. We're done slaughtering children. And you're all looking at me like, wait, what? Here's what we want. We want the hearts and minds of people to change and demand that the laws change. Shoving it down people's throats is not going to do any good. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We want to pray. And I mean the church. The church needs to repent. Notice in Second Chronicles, he said, if my people, not if those pagan idiots out there, if they'll turn and get saved, he said, no. He said, if my people, the people of God, will turn. So what are we trusting in? What do we need to repent of? 
Are we trusting in being an American? Wealthy, comfortable, safe, sheltered? Do we need to repent of our entertainment? Our gluttony? Being right? Being righteous? We're in the Bible Belt, man. Our education? Our 401ks? Do we need to repent of our addiction to pornography, which contributes to human trafficking, which contributes to abortion? Those dominoes are all connected, man. We can turn to a father who has his arms outstretched and he is saying, Come to me. We can go and live out a life of forgiveness and wrap our arms around people that are struggling, that are choking on the blood of their own children because that's all they can think about. And we can love those people. We can love them into the kingdom. We can pray that God would raise up people that would change the hearts and minds of our nation and the world. So let's take a minute and do that. Father, we beg you to forgive us. To forgive us for the sins as a nation. To forgive us for not loving your children as we should. We praise you and we thank you that you are blessing our church with little babies. We beg you for more. We ask that you would bless us with children. We ask that that you would bless us for generations of children that would serve you until your return. We ask for children in this church that would be a part of changing our nation. That would continue to raise children that love you and trust you. We ask that you would forgive us for all our idols. We know that you are faithful and just and you are not frowning on us. No, you are smiling. We thank you. We praise you. And we love you with everything we have, Father. Thank you for being a good, good Father. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.